Amen. Amen. You can find yourself a seat. Hopefully there's one behind you. And that would be good, wouldn't it? Imagine if you turned around and that was gone. Has, I would say that most people in this room would have some form of phone or some form of device or something that you can message people on. Would I be correct in thinking that most of you have some form of communication with other people besides just talking? <laughs> Has, have any of you ever got a message and then looked at it and gone, I'll respond later? A few of you know me, <laughs> and exactly, a few people know me and know that occasionally I might possibly forget to respond. I might occasionally, stop nodding, there's a few people who know that occasionally I just don't quite get back there. And it's not that I intentionally go, I'm never going to respond to you again. It's just sometimes I forget. I get a little bit busy. I just go, oh, I'll just, I'll do it later. I'll I'll reply to that person once I've finished just what I'm doing. I'll reply to that person once I've just finished cooking my dinner, because that's important for me. I'll reply to that thing once I've just made sure that my kids are actually sorted and they're safe and they're looked after. That's also a valid reason. My kids. Yeah, I can say I look after lots of kids. I run kids' programs, and I can say that I look after kids, okay? So that's my kids. Go with it. Once I've got these things sorted, I'll reply. It's not that I intentionally kind of go, I'll never reply to that. Just sometimes I get waylaid. Sometimes I get a little bit distracted. And so I'm sorry if you're still waiting for a reply from me, (laughs) and it might come later. But there are some messages we get on our phones that require our urgent reply. There are some messages we get that go, I'll drop everything and reply to that. In fact, I might even give you a phone call. I might just get in my car and turn up. There are some messages that you can't... You wouldn't believe this. There are people messaging me saying, I'm still waiting. <laughs> thanks, thanks, guys. Let's, shall we pause for a moment and read out their names? No? Four messages. Four messages. Noted. (laughs) But there are some messages that require our urgent reply. I'll do whatever it takes to reply right now. And when I look at the person of Jesus, he requires my urgent reply. When I look at the person of Jesus, when I look at who he is, if I look at what he did, if I look at why he came, if I look at his, his reason, his love, his motive for coming, for me and for you, it requires my urgent reply. It requires me to respond. But so many of us, myself included, go, oh, uh, maybe I'll just, I'll just finish this. I'll just... I'll, I'll do that later. When on Sunday, I'll respond. I'll reply to Jesus on Sunday because I've already set aside a couple of hours to go to church. I'll do it then. And we miss those small opportunities, those promptings of the Holy Spirit, those promptings throughout our week. And we get to a Sunday and we go, God, 
why is it here that you only talk to me? Is it sometimes that it's the only place that we're actually truly listening? Is it the only time that we actually allow ourselves to reply to him and say, God, I'm listening. I'm here. What do you want to say? And I would say that actually Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit is prompting us, is talking to us throughout our everyday lives. But it's whether we reply to him, whether we respond to him in that moment that matters. See, how you respond to Jesus matters. In Luke 5, 1 to 7, it says this. One day as Jesus was standing by, I'm just going to say, ah, lake. You can read that name. That is the Sea of Galilee. The people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were, sta- who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put it out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. This is Simon's reply. Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Jesus We know what we're doing. We've been working all night. It doesn't make sense. Now, I'm not a fisherman, right? But if if I've been fishing here, going back out and putting it down in the same place doesn't logically make sense that I would then get something. Even putting it on the other side of the boat, I'm like, surely it's just like the same bit of water. There's nothing actually here. Jesus, we've worked hard all night. But because you say so, I will let down my nets. Because you say so, I will let down my nets. And it says, when, we had, when, they, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come out and help them, and they filled both boats so that they began to sink. That's incredible. What if his reply had simply been that first part Master, we've worked all night and haven't caught anything and stopped there. What if he'd stopped? What if he'd kind of gone, that's enough, Jesus. I'm going back to cleaning my nets. I've worked hard all night. You're now asking me to put them back in the water where I'll then have to clean them again. You're asking me to do more than what I've already done and achieved nothing. You're asking me to do the same thing. No, we've worked hard all night. That's it. He could have easily just gone on with what he was doing. He could have easily just stopped and gone, this is where I know best. Jesus, you do your teaching thing, I'll do the fishing. But he doesn't. He says, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. See, the method of what they were doing, the what they were doing didn't really change. They still went fishing. They still had to put down their nets. They did what they've always done, but it was because someone else had asked them to do it. And I wonder if we go through our weeks, if we go through our lives, if we go through our days, and we just kind of just do what we do, and sometimes we can get tired and bored and a bit stuck in the mundane, and we go, oh, yeah, we pray. Oh, yeah, we, we, we serve in these areas. Yeah, we, we do these things, and they're great. 
But what if we listened to God and asked him, what, are you, what do you want me to pray for? Where do you want me to serve? What do you want me to do extra? What if we got ahead here from Simon? What if instead of him saying, we just keep doing this, we've been working all night, what if he said, what do you say, and I'll do it? See, it was a response that Simon had to Jesus. Because you say so, I will let down my nets. But what if we say to Jesus, Jesus, what do you want me to do, and I will do it? How have I responded personally for me? What does it mean for me to have stopped in my life, in my day? What have I done or not done that is responding to God? For me, it means caring deeply for kids and families that I might not have everyday interaction with. It means stopping and maybe praying for people when I don't have time, when I don't want to. It means opening up my Bible on maybe my free time on my weekend when I'd rather sit and scroll through YouTube, scroll through Instagram and just kind of spend some time doing that as a downtime, but instead spend it in the Word. It means listening sometimes to that voice in my head that I know isn't me, but listening to that thing and going, can I message someone? Can I call someone? Can I encourage someone? Can I challenge someone? And then just doing it. Because I know that if I put off that thing, it'll leave my mind. It's listening and responding to that. On a bigger thing, my yes to God has meant so much more than just some of those little things. It's one of the reasons I'm here in Christchurch, standing here talking to you as part of my yes. Do you know that I moved to this city not ever intending to stay here, not wanting to stay here, but here I am because I said yes to God. It meant leaving my family. It meant leaving my grandparents. It meant leaving my church and my, fam- my, my extended family of my church family. It means I've lost friendships and close connections with so many people back in my hometown. People who I grew up with and are incredibly close to. In Christchurch, part of my yeses has been taking, you know, let's be honest, a pay cut to come and work for my local church. It's meant losing some friends here in Christchurch because of my yes. And it's not always easy. I list some of those things because they were hard yeses. But because you say so, I will let down my nets. And I'm believing that like Simon did, they had trouble pulling in the greater number of fish that they'd caught in their nets. I'm believing that for my life as well, that because of my yes, more people would get to know Jesus. More people would have the chance to know a relationship with him. No, that's my heart's cry. That's the deep conviction of my heart is that more people would know Jesus. And when that becomes your conviction, when that becomes the innermost part of you, those yeses become so much easier. It doesn't mean they become less painful, but in the reply to God, We say, yes, I will do it because you said so. It means stopping and carving out time for people. 
I remember last year I, I popped into um, one of my old places of work and I was just talking to a bunch of friends in the staff room and I turned around to this, um, to this other friend and I just simply said as I was about to leave, oh, how are you? And then I sat for another half an hour or so as she told me about her life and things that were going wrong. Now, I didn't have time for that. I actually had to be somewhere else. But it became my priority because I was responding to that call, that prompting that said, Jeremiah, just, just turn and ask this person, how are you? I didn't change the intonation of my voice to go, how are you really? Please tell me about the, the struggles in your life. I really didn't. I wish I could say that I did, but I didn't. I just said, how are you? And then listened and took the time to care, to talk to, to reply and to follow through on what this lady was going through. See, responding in everything means responding and saying yes to the local church, to the vision of the local church. See, the local church is the hope of the world. It's Jesus' plan A to see many more people know a relationship with him. And I love the local church. See, responding sometimes, responding to God and his heart. Responding to the local church means sometimes saying no to some of the other good things. Saying yes to God is sometimes saying no to the other good things. And it's like, well, how can, how can that be true? Surely if it's good, then it's God. Surely if it's helping other people, then it's God and what he wants for me. But I think so easily, you and me, we can get distracted by what seems good. I can get distracted by the, oh, you know, let me sponsor this and sponsor this and sponsor this and let me be part of that and let me go out and serve here and do this. But actually, is that what God is calling you to do? And sometimes when those offers come in of something that seems so good, and you're like, oh, this must be God. Turning around and going, God, what would you have me do? And what you say, I will go. I will let down my nets there. I'm prepared to give it up so that I can follow your voice. And I'm just going to invite the panel to come up now. See, some things require responses. And when we look at the person of Jesus, when we examine the evidence of who he is, of what he did, it requires a response from us. It's so confronting, so real, that we can't just turn away and look away and go, I'll, I'll deal with that later. If we miss a text, we might miss an event. We might miss a catching up with a friend. We might miss something that's going on with one of our friend's lives. But if we met the reply to Jesus, there's a whole lot more at stake. It's a loving relationship for eternity with him. See, when we respond to God, we need to respond to what God wants, to his heart, not what our heart wants, not our desires, but say, God, where you say, I will go. Thanks. Hello. Thanks, Jeremiah. Yes, hello. hello. We're already here. We're, we're seated. Um, Carl, you forgot to bring the fruit bowl. 
It's disappointing. I didn't get the memo. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Sorry about that. Hey, um, guys, this is this is chat. We're just going to have a, a bit of a conversation now about what Jeremiah's been talking about, and 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 that might lead us into other elements as well. And uh, I've also got the the phone here, which is it's uh, will receive texts to that number. Um, I can't guarantee that it will receive emails to that email address, so I'll recommend using the number. Uh, at the end here, we've got Carl. And this is Ange and Jeremiah, and I'm Dave. And uh, Jeremiah, you've given us a lot to talk about. Um, I, I actually want to... You made me laugh a little bit because you did this great job of listing all the things that you had to sacrifice um, in order to respond and say, yes, your friendships, your family, your pay cut, all that sort of stuff. Um, so was there anything positive about... Is there anything good <laughs> about saying Yes. No, seriously, I'm, I'm just offering you a chance to speak into that. even being here on staff, you know, is that good in any way? You basically told us all it's been absolute rubbish yeah. since is, I joined. Is that this. what I said? No, you Man, don't. I hope that's not what I said. <laughs> no, a- absolutely. Um, uh, I don't even know how to answer. Right. I, I, I so love what I do. It's so much joy in what I do and how I do it that... Even compared to teaching, can I compare it to teaching? Is I love teaching, and I was a good teacher, and I loved working with the kids and being part of those school. But then I came and said yes to work for my local church, and I can't even compare how much more I love and enjoy what I do. There's such a, a joy in what I do. But in saying, I get to work with people, I get to help people at a at a, at a such a a deeper level at a, um, often in a more practical level that I absolutely love. Um, I want to ask you, I just want to ask something. You, you, when, when you listed the things that are what we'll call cost associated with your yes or, or loss associated with your yes, there seems a lot of weight on the things you've left behind or potentially lost. So it wasn't, was there any potential of saying no? What was the struggle like? Or was it a simple yes that you actually made years ago? Like, help us understand, why did you say yes? Uh, it was it was a continual process. It was very early on in the in, in how I was raised and what I grew up in. I made a yes to God that said, "I'm I'm all in. Where you go, I will I'll, I'll go." But along the way, as He asked me to give up some of those things or to let go of some of those things, it was the most painful moments at each of those stages in my life. There were arguments with God. There was lots of yelling back and forth. Well, yelling. <laughs> Fourth, <laughs> less back. Um, a lot of love and grace that way. Um, there was a lot of tears. There was a lot of support from people. There was a lot of talking through. There was. It hasn't always been easy, but I've always had this deep conviction from my yes that says I will. I will do. I know it here. I, I can't say no. It's so part of me that. I, I've yeah. always known that We've segwayed it nicely to well, what yeah, we want I've, to talk about. I'll we? let him know. I, I've, I would say, I'm guessing, but the, that wasn't your first yes. That wasn't your first time to say yes then, was it? Which right. time? So, no. So, so, no. so God calls you to move cities, right? And yeah. it's hugely painful and there's a huge loss. To get to that point of being able to say yes, that wasn't your first time saying yes to no. what God no, wanted, No, started, right? started, I would say, in this very small stuff. Yeah. Even you know, growing up in local churches, saying yes when you know, I remember that first time that uh, I think it was Mum asked me to do the children's talk in church when when we used to do it from the stage, and terrified me. 
But I was like, no, I've been, I've been asked to do this. I'll say yes and I'll do that. Yeah. And now I, you, after many yeses of saying yes through the smaller things growing in it, that I can now go, okay, I'll trust you with the bigger stuff as well. Yeah. Um, okay, so you've used a word, you used it in your message, you've used it here, Carl used it this morning, conviction. Conviction. Now, there's, there's a whole bunch of questions coming and we're going to get to them. We're going we're gonna to talk about this and then I'm going to ask these questions. Conviction. So there's a, there's a sense of the conviction that's on, on your life leads to the yes. Conviction can be, sound like a bit of a nasty word, though. Can we talk about this word a bit? What did you mean? By? I think um, we sort of talked about it after my message this morning and I thought it was some interesting. I think John, I might have drawn it out. This idea of often we chase people's commitment but commitment is a byproduct of conviction. In other words, I'm already sold out to the cause of Christ. I'm already totally and utterly living this thing out. And so you don't need to look for my commitment because there's already a conviction kind of in my heart. And I think when you've already made up your mind that if I hear from God or even think I've heard from God, I'm going to step out with a conviction. I've already said yes. Therefore, I know there'll be a cost. We talked about that this morning. I know there'll be a cost with some of the the times that I have to say yes to God, but I've got a conviction, and we've got a conviction that even if we think it's God, we're not 100% sure, we'd rather step out in faith uh, and take the risk. Um, Yeah, conviction is the thing that holds you through those, the onslaughts, (laughs) that's what I call them, Uh, those pressured times where you, you suddenly go, why am I doing this? I could be doing something else. It would be much easier with a lot less pain, uh, but conviction is what holds you and keeps you true to what God has called you to do, and that's a, a much deeper held thing than just making a commitment or just saying a yes. It's the, the deep held belief that, uh, that sort of underpins the yes. Yeah. So how do you get conviction, though? Is it just something that you just, okay, I want that, got it? Uh, like, how do you, you know, it's like we can say we want a conviction for the, for the lost or to, for the cause of Christ, but how do we actually do that? Well, my, my conviction comes from the revelation of what Jesus Christ has truly done for me right. and the understanding of where my life was going and when he interrupted my life or the revelation as my saviour, that changed everything. So yeah. that day, first moment of surrender was when conviction first touched my heart because right. it was a transformation. That was the hope of what I was looking for. I don't think you have to have a radical transformation or conversion in order to have a conviction at the point of surrender. I think the moment you realize who Jesus is, it's true for you, there's a, that's where conviction begins. So I've just said you can have all of my life. Yeah. So that's your first yes, right? That's your first response. Every other response to God is an outworking of that initial, I'm yours, right? Yeah. We'd better jump to these questions, otherwise people think I'm ignoring them. Uh, there's two questions almost the same. Uh, one says, what if we have two options that are good and godly? And the other question says, how do you discern between what is good and what is God in terms of opportunities that pop up? How do we discern the difference? Um, When I first left uh, high school, I was offered a job in a local church back at home. Um, And I really would quite like to have have gone and done it. Um, it I, I knew that at some point in my life I was called to ministry. And so this opportunity came up straight away and it seemed really good. In fact, it was God. I, I, it really felt like that. Yeah. And so I went, okay, from my understanding, I had to take some time and get some input into it and not just make the decision. So I went back to God and said, God, is this what you want? Right. I went to my parents and said, do you think this is what God is saying? 
I went to some other people around me and said, do you think this is what God is wanting? And I got some discernment and I got some input into what I was doing and didn't just try and make that decision based on what I wanted and my feelings. And I thought it was the best thing out. Right. They were off, it looked awesome, but it was combined with, God, what are you actually saying? Where are you leading me? And what do the people who I know and trust around me, what are they asking God and receiving from God as to where I'm going? I think um, we have both a, a human response to, to opportunities and a spirit response. And I'd say our, in our humanness, we often rely on what we feel. So we go, what feels good? What suits me best? Like what, what would feel good to do? So, for example, sponsoring a child would feel really good. Like I'd, I'd feel a sense of self-worth out of sponsoring a child, uh, as opposed to necessarily maybe giving regularly on a Sunday to my local church when I'm not necessarily sure what it's being used for that week. Um, and so I think there's that challenge where we have to, because that's like great for big decisions and stuff where you go and get wisdom and, and counsel and all that kind of stuff. Great. But on the small stuff, uh, when you're, you're weighing up opportunities or weighing up decisions, I think you've, you've got to almost bypass your emotions a little bit because your emotions do lie to you as well. Um, and, and ask, really, really do ask God. And then I'd say instead of relying on emotions, that's where you rely on the peace of God over things. That's something that we do to, to test what God is, is leading us into uh, and opportunities as we pray and say, Lord, give me peace if this is the right thing. If it's not, just unsettle my heart. Let me not be able to, to, to settle on it and to, to say yes to it. So, yeah, that's one way that we used to. Um, I'm an I'm into everything kind of person. I'd like to do it all. And I think early on in my faith journey, I did try everything, and I think that's okay. And give some things a go and find out where, what God's in and, and try some stuff. And I think sponsoring a child's a great thing to do. I think God would never say we do don't sponsor, sponsor a child. A child. Just saying. Just and saying. give to the local but, church. Um, <laughs> but I, I just, I, now I, I specialize a little bit more. I sort of, I really weighed up with God. And here's the funny thing about God. I think this is funny. It's maybe my warped sense of humor. He gave me two ears and one mouth. I think he wants me to listen twice as much as I talk. And if you know me, that's a big deal. Uh, so I, I spend time listening to God, like, like, like you talked about tonight. I think hearing God's voice is really important. I don't think we do justice to it often enough. And uh, so I, I want to listen twice as much uh, and spend time waiting on God. But I think, you'll, for me, I'll give something a go. Is God in it? Does it suit my gifting? Is it got the witness with the Holy Spirit and with people? Are there people saying, this is a good thing for you? I've been turned down on a number of things or turned a number of things down were job opportunities before I started on staff here because Wise Council said it's the wrong thing for you, even though I wanted to do it. It's too soon for you to be in ministry. You've got some more growing to do. There's some things you need to wait for a little bit longer. That's hard to listen to, but I knew God was in it. I had the final question all lined up, but we, we're out of time. So we're going to have to come back to it another week. Um, there's some good stuff in here. Thank you for, for sending these questions in. Jeremiah, do you want to? Close us off and move into the next phase. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Cool. As the band just comes up. We are just going to go back into a time of, of worship and a chance to respond and, and listen to his voice and, and go, God, what, what would you have me do? And maybe it is for you the, some of the big stuff and maybe it's just some of the small stuff and going, God, would you help me in my everyday? Would you help me in my day-to-day life as I make decisions on how I respond to you, on how I listen to that prompting or that guiding or that voice in my head that I don't quite always agree with, 
would you help me to be responsive and say yes to that, to step out in the small things, to, to put my trust in your peace, to trust, put my trust in, in what you are saying, and, and I'll, I'll give it a go. Even when it's stretching, even when it's more than what you've already kind of got planned, like, like the fishermen were doing their nets. Okay, I'll, I'll go one more time and I'll, tr- I'll try again because you say so. And if it's the big stuff, again, just spend that time talking to God, going, God, where would you have me go? What would you have me do? And that might just be 